From the DMZ to the NATO front, this is CRN. Hello, and welcome to the Kirshner Files. Kirshner Files. This is episode 23. So I've been getting emails. <laughs> uh, and in a nutshell there, a lot of a lot of you have written me. At, uh, and you can reach out to me at any time at uh, djkpublishinghouse at gmail.com or you can use the website, the contact me page. And uh, I had more than more than a few say, hey, uh, we love your passion. <laughs> it always starts with something like that, and then there's usually a but. Uh, can we cover more preparedness-specific topics? Uh, we, we get your, your current events and what have you. So I, it, was very, it was nice, and, but it was a nice little gentle reminder. Hey. I split the shows for a reason, and uh, so <laughs> I had a whole montage planned out for this episode because I really enjoyed putting together the last one for the lightning round. And um, but uh, suffice it to say that things are escalating, things are ramping up. Uh, I've covered a lot of these points ad nauseum. Uh, it could be. Anything from our border to uh, ineptitude in D.C. It could be the inflation. It could be the Fed not wanting to do rate reductions. It could, you know, the interest rates are, are pretty high. Um, the, you know, prime plus one, that, that's screwing a lot of people uh, on, on their various interest accounts. Um, or, or I should say accounts that accrue interest like bank loans and credit cards and what have you anything that's not fixed anything that's got a variable rate people are getting raked over the coals so uh i'm i'm gonna try and 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 bring it back to to focus i'm gonna bring this show to heal <laughs> and and we'll get uh get going here so i've got uh, got three things to talk about uh plus the usual obligatory uh, uh, survival realty, gun shows, and uh, updates. So, we are in episode 23. I think that's right. That sounds right. And we are in the middle of week 160 of the illegitimate, fraudulent elected ding-dongs tyrannical reign. We have 271 days until the next election. And spot prices for gold are currently at $2,015.56. And a spot price for silver is at $22.28. Silver seems to be holding steady. Uh, gold is fluctuating uh, a lot. Uh, right before I kicked off 
the uh, the lightning round episode, I saw that gold was trading at $255 an ounce. And then overnight it, it dropped almost $23. It dropped to $2,033. Today, we've dropped another $18. So, and, and there's, there's variables and, and reasons for the fluctuation. It could be everything from the potato winning the South Carolina primary to um, the military carrying out strikes against terrorists in the Middle East that killed some of our service members. Uh, it could be uh, announcements from companies, an announcements from the Fed, announcements uh, across the spectrum, anything and a combination of many things could have led to it rising and falling $50 in the last, I don't know, 96 hours. So it's, it's, it's very weird. Gold, gold seems to move much more rapidly than silver. So silver seems to be hanging out in that $22 range for right now. So do with that what you will. Uh, precious metals are definitely something that those of us in the preparedness space want to keep an eye on, uh, possibly purchase slash collect um, for the, the barter economy that we believe is coming when the House of Cards collapses around us. They've got a $118 billion bill that they're putting out there for aid to Ukraine, aid to Israel, plus a border deal. Why can't they separate these things out into clean bills? It just drives me bonkers. But, uh, it, like I said, it could have been a combination of, of any number of things uh, that led to the, the, the wild swings, the $20 swings in, uh, in gold prices recently. So, something to keep an eye on. But, uh, I did not receive my Survival Realty email. Uh, so, I just went directly to their website, survivalrealty.com. Uh, and they've got uh, three properties here for this week. Uh, and one is a Cumberland Mountain property. It's 55 acres in Speedwell, Tennessee. Has beautiful views and a pond, and it's up for sale for $555,000. There is an off-grid 20-acre uh, year-round access with two homes in western Montana in Potomac, Montana. That's $525,000. And then um, there's a third one here in the Ozarks. It's 21 and a half acres, and it is $330,000. All right, closing that out, I did do some uh, website work, and I created a new page called Gun Shows. And I used to have precious metals as a separate menu item at the top but when I added gun shows it started to wrap my menu and I didn't want that so I took precious metals and the new gun shows page and I dumped it into the resources menu option so under resources now you can find precious metals gun shows and the four that were already there which are useful resources books useful resources websites research downloads and the work that I had done in uh, or during my time in the environmental science uh, uh, associate's degree that my company was sending me to. So uh, my plan is to get started back in that 
with that program uh, in the fall. I'm going to get this kid graduated and her lacrosse season, her collegiate lacrosse career closed. And then in the fall, uh, I'm going to try and get back into uh, the environmental science classes. That's my plan. And, you know, as Mike Tyson said, I think it was Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So who knows what's going to be happening between now and August, but as of right now, I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. So on the new gun shows page, I went and I found links mostly to um, the, the, uh, the gun show trader page because they seem to have a page dedicated to all 50 states. So what I did on mine was I created a, uh, uh, I, I broke it up into regions, if you will. Um, so we've got the New England states, which gives you everything from Maine down to uh, Massachusetts. And then we have the Mid-Atlantic, which gives you New York, New Jersey, Delaware, down into uh, uh, Pennsylvania and Maryland and D.C. Then we've got the Southwest. And I, I didn't come up with these regions. I just simply did a web search for uh, mid or uh, United States regions or region states or something like that. And so it broke it up into New England, Mid-Atlantic, Southwest, Midwest, Mid-Atlantic, Rocky Mountains, and Pacific Coast. And last week, I gave you all of the Rocky Mountains and Pacific Coast. So that was everything from, uh, I did not cover Alaska, but Alaska and Hawaii are in those groupings. And, uh, but it was everything from uh, Washington State down through California, uh, Montana and Idaho down to New Mexico and Arizona. But uh, they, they, they separate Arizona, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Texas into the Southwest. So I, I didn't necessarily agree with it, but that's what they gave me. Uh, and then you get the Midwest, which gives you Minnesota and the Dakotas all the way down to, uh, looks like it goes as far south as Missouri and Kansas. It, it brings in Ohio and, uh, and Michigan and Iowa, Indiana. The Mid-Atlantic that takes you from Virginia, West Virginia, all the way down into into um, Mississippi and Alabama, covers uh, Louisiana and, and what have you. So it's broken up. So you can go to my gun shows page. It's davidjkirshner.com slash gun hyphen shows. And, and you can go click on these. But as promised, I kind of broke it up. I gave you the West Coast um, uh, last week. Uh, I don't believe I've ever covered New England. So I thought, you know what, let's just cover New England. And they don't have a gun show in New in uh, Connecticut until May. So that doesn't do us any good. Massachusetts, uh, we've got one. Uh, they don't start up until March. So nothing in Massachusetts. Uh, Maine, what about Maine? We've got, uh, oh, look at that. We've got a gun show this weekend in Maine at the MFGA Clubhouse in Monmouth, Maine. So it's the Monmouth Fish and Game Association gun show. So there you go. There's something going on in Maine. Uh, New Hampshire doesn't have anything until April. And Rhode Island. Uh, Rhode Island doesn't have anything, but they give you links to nearby regions. And the regions being Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New York. So that's kind of funny. 
Uh, and then lastly, we have Vermont, and Vermont doesn't have anything until June, according to this. So that's, that's interesting. Um, I feel very let down by that. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the Mid-Atlantic as well. We're going to start up in New York. And so we've got, uh, in two weeks, we have a gun show at the Orange County Fairgrounds in Middleton, New York. And New Jersey gives us uh, nothing until March, mid-March, actually. So that's nothing. Uh, Delaware gives us nothing until April. And uh, Maryland... Let's see here. Oh, we got something here in Maryland for next for this weekend. Uh, it's the Chesapeake Sportsman Show at the Jarrettsville Gardens in Jarrettsville, uh, Maryland, and then they don't have another one till near the end of the month. Uh, Pennsylvania has a gun show that lasts actually the whole week from February third to the eleventh. It's the Great American Outdoor Show at the Farm Show Complex in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And then we have one uh, that's just uh, this weekend coming up. Well, no, we got two. I take that back. Uh, we've got the Eagle Shows at the, it's called the Oaks Gun Show at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center in Oaks, PA. And then we have one, oh no, I lied. There's three of them, actually. There's one... Uh, this weekend, at it's the Forks of Delaware Gun Show in Allentown Fairgrounds in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And then there's one here at the Monroeville Convention Center in Monroeville, PA. They're calling it the Pittsburgh uh, Gun Show. So, uh, that takes care of... Oh, well, let's click on Washington, D.C. just for fun. <laughs> Nothing in D.C. Probably because they outlawed guns. But that gives you some updates on New England and the Mid-Atlantic. And you can go find all these gun shows uh, on my website. I've, I've linked it out and, uh, you know, just kind of grouped them by region. I didn't necessarily create the regions or agree with them, but they're, they're broken up as such. So, all right. Uh, so that's your updates, uh, websites, and survival realty, and gun shows. So, and spot prices, too. Covered a lot of things before the show even really gets started. <laughs> all right, moving on. All right, the first thing I have here is an article uh, from Ask a Prepper. Uh, it was published on the 4th, so yesterday, well, yesterday, no wait, the 4th is Sunday, so a couple days ago. Uh, it's titled $100 Walmart Prepper Food Run in 2024. It was written by Nicholas Oatkin, and I always think it's... Um, it's interesting. I almost led off into a different topic, but we're going to cover that topic in a minute. Um, so he says that uh, he says eggs were at the top of my mind when I walked into Walmart. They can be prepared with a variety of other meals. I ended up purchasing two 18 packs for nine fifty eight each. That's expensive. Where was he shopping? I can go to Aldi and get a twelve eggs and get a dozen eggs for like a buck eighty nine. I don't know why he's buying 18 packs for 9.58. This article is already off the rails. Uh, next, he went and did some canned chicken and dumplings and beef stew. He got 
those cans sold for $374 each. And my purchase totaled seven cans amounting to $26.18. Then he went to canned fruit. Can of peaches and pears were being sold for $3.16 each. I purchased seven cans for $22.12. Then he went to canned beans. Uh, canned beans were another food item I knew I was going to get before I even walked in. I ended up getting 10 cans of pinto and black beans that were priced at 98 cents each. White rice. Can't have beans without rice, right? He picked up a 10-pound bag of white rice for $11.48. Canned corn. Cans of corn were being sold for $1.92, so he picked up seven cans for $13.44, bringing his total to right around $100. And I just think that that, I don't know, maybe he needs to find a better place to shop because some of those prices were well above what I would typically have paid um, you know, you gotta have coupons, you gotta have, uh, perks and rewards and things like that. Um, but these prices at Walmart seem absurdly high. So he went and got eggs, canned chicken and dumplings and beef stew. Uh, he got some canned fruit, some canned beans, white rice and corn, and he spent a hundred dollars. I, I went grocery shopping just the other day. Uh, we were having some friends over and we were doing homemade panini sandwiches. And I, I didn't buy much. I bought, you know, some some ham. I bought uh, salami. I bought pepperoni. Um, I bought some, uh, I hate to say it, but I bought some, some, uh, some bread from the deli. Um, or I'm sorry, from the bakery. Uh, what else did I get? I got, you know, some condiments, some, you know, pickles and, 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 you know, some dressings and tomatoes, avocados. I mean, I, I, I got stuff to make sandwiches. That's it. And it cost me 50 bucks. And I had coupons and I had rewards and I had perks. And, and it was just like 50 bucks for four people to eat sandwiches and, and play with the new panini press and, my wife made a, a, a copycat Panera broccoli and cheese soup. Uh, and, and she had everything. She was like, oh, look, I've got some left, a couple broccoli heads left over. I've got this, I've got that. And so she was like, if we're making sandwiches, I want soup. So we had soup and sandwiches. And, and the grand total, I think the, the, the other couple, they, they brought in like turkey and they had made some bacon. Uh, they brought in some of their own bread. And, and, I mean, all told, I think there was probably, we overspent. We, we got too much stuff. But the point is, we probably had $75 worth in, of, of sandwich fixings, given today's prices. We had a ton of leftovers, so it's not going to go to waste. But if we'd have gone out to dinner, that would have been 50 bucks a couple, given current restaurant prices, easily. I don't know. I, I I think we didn't plan it out as well as we should have, but you know what can you do? But that's that's Nicholas Oatkins' list, um, and he tried to you know get some essentials at Walmart for a hundred dollars, and and that's what he did. So I think the prices were a little bit high. I don't know why eighteen packs of eggs were 
nearly 950. That's that's ridiculous. I for for 10 bucks I could have bought seven or eight dozen eggs at Aldi. So uh, I think it's about where you shop. You got to be price smart when you're out there doing stuff so that you can save your money and get other preps. I just it's crazy. All right. Next. All right. So the second thing I wanted to talk about was uh, something I found while I was uh, going through my email and looking for my survival realty update. I actually wound up getting one um, for something completely randomly different, and it was titled "Prepping and the F- Prepping and the Vital Few." Um, and it was it, it, it was interesting because it it makes me want to talk about some other things. But what they wrote is. Getting started with preparedness can be daunting. It's easy to create a huge list of projects and purchases, but difficult to prioritize and implement them effectively. Today, we look at some achievable first steps. As a first principle, remember that preparation is meant to sustain your life, not obstruct it. While you will likely come up with some lifestyle changes, don't uproot yourself merely out of concern for what could happen. Any changes made need to be sustainable for you and your situation. The Pareto Principle, also referred to as the 80-20 rule, states that 80% of the results generally come from 20% of inputs. In preparedness, this means focusing on the vital few rather than striving for completeness. For each area you consider, identify the 20% step you can take that will most significantly increase your resilience. For a beginning prepper, this might include, and they gave us a bulleted list, and it's kind of lengthy. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight items. Food, water, heating and cooking, communication, power, mobility, health, and security. And so what they wrote for each of those is start with stocking your pantry with non-perishable staples you already use then supplement with bulk wheat, rice, and beans before you dive into more complicated situations. Water. Start with storing some water for emergency use, then add equipment for water collection and filtration. Heating and cooking. A wood stove and well-stocked wood shed are ideal, but an indoor safe propane heater and camp stove are readily achievable first steps that can keep you warm and fed in a short-term emergency. Communication. Get a solar or battery-powered shortwave radio, then consider adding a two-way amateur radio. Even if you're not licensed yet, it's useful to listen in or to have available in an emergency. Power. Consider a backup power system that best meets your needs. A generator may be available to keep your refrigerator or freezer running during a power failure, or a solar solar generator battery bank may be sufficient to keep some essentials to keep some essential lighting and electronics charged. Mobility. Find a safe and secure place to store extra fuel for your primary vehicles. Get each vehicle equipped with a basic emergency kit. Health. Get a couple of essential reference books on first aid and wilderness or travel medicine and start with a mid-range family medical kit. Then move on to getting you and yourself, getting you and your family uh, trained. Security. Take basic steps to secure your home then armed and educated. This doesn't mean this doesn't have to mean a whole new hobby, but taking enough time to become capable and confident in self-defense. 
So, I wrote a whole book on this. It's called Preparing to Prepare, A General Guide to Self-Sufficiency and Preparedness. And in that book, I step you through three duration-based scenarios. So, you have anything that uh, is a minor event, so that's anything that's a week or less. Then you have a moderate event, which is a week to a month. And a major event is anything that's a month or longer in duration. And what I did in that book was literally start your engine and, and reset your, your, your knowledge base and your mindset to start with the little things like this list of eight items. And then as you begin planning for things that are longer in duration, the more things you need to consider, the different scenarios. Maybe you need an additional piece of, of gear or equipment or training. So I build you through everything that they're talking about on this list in that book, Preparing to Prepare. If you don't have a copy of that book, I highly recommend that you get it. It's $9.99 and they'll ship it to you as soon as you get it. And it takes you through this list. Everything that they just outlined, all of it. And some of it gets quite, quite involved. Um, it, you know, for long base, long-term solutions, you, you know, if you've, got the, if you've got the space, maybe put in a, an orchard, okay? That's long-term planning. That's large-scale event duration planning having an orchard with fruit and nut trees. But for the shorter term duration, just having a well-stocked pantry of food staples that your family likes and enjoys, and that's not all, okay? You need to not only have that information or have that material there, because FEMA originally said uh, you should have three days of food and water for every person in your family and, and every animal. That's bunk you need at least two weeks, okay? That'll get you through a minor disturbance or a minor um, duration event, and it'll get you into uh, a moderate duration event, which is a week to a month. That's when your long-term food storage items come into play, because if you've got two weeks for everybody, that's pretty much what I keep in my house all the time. So I'm not gonna have a problem with this. The problem that I see with people that I consult with is they have all this food, but now they don't have any power and they don't know how to cook it. How do you, how do I heat up the soup to make it more palatable? If you don't have electricity and you've got an electric stove or an electric range, this is where the single burners, the dual burners come into play, even your, your grill outside, your fire pit outside. Understanding how to cook through a variety of different means is what preparedness is about. You can have all the food in the world, but if you don't know how to cook it without your electric stove, you're screwed. So that's what my book steps you through. That's a lot of what they're referencing here when it comes to heating and cooking. They literally said a wood stove. Not a lot of people are going to have the the wherewithal, the space, or the capacity to put in a wood stove, okay? Unless you've had that thought in your head and you've constructed 
around that. You can go add concrete pads and fire shielding and the like for your for your vent tube and make sure that your sheetrock doesn't catch on fire because it's you know three feet from the wood stove and it's cooking it's it's right there at 400 degrees sometimes you know you can do all of you can you can retrofit okay that's not a problem but if you don't know how to cook on it and you lose power for a month you, that's the school of hard knocks you've got to be building up your knowledge base in addition to the resources that you're trying to compile food and water uh different types of, of firearms, different types of power sources, etc. All of this list, I go through all of it in my book and I break it down by duration. Minor, moderate, and major. Do yourself a favor and pick up a copy of that book. I think it'll help you and it'll open up your eyes to a lot of the things that those of us that are in this this preparedness space, this self-sufficiency space that have been here for some time, we can help you. And we help you by creating resources for you, whether it's a, a website or a podcast or a book. And do yourself a favor. If you're going to buy it, maybe buy it in paperback and start building out a library, kind of like what they're talking about here. Getting essential reference books. They used health and wellness, first aid, uh, wilderness travel medicine those are all very valuable books that'll help you with learning how to deal with certain things my other book home remedies poultices salves and tinctures will help you treat those maladies if you get injured if you have a sick colicky kid and you're on the road or you know you you dislocate something well maybe not dislocate but the poultices salves and tinctures will help you with all kinds of various ailments, whether they're internal or external. So maybe buy the two books together as a compendium. It's up to you. It's not an advertisement. I'm just telling you, I've given this information out. And it's up to you if you want to take the opportunity to get it. Everything that's in this, uh, I don't know if this was an email. Yeah, it was an email. Uh, goes to my book, Preparing to Prepare. So maybe pick up a copy. They also talk about uh, beyond the, the practical considerations of the eight bulleted items above, they say don't underestimate the more personal aspects of preparedness, namely four items, community, finances, family, and self. For community, they say it's hard to go alone, start building community, community whether it's through family, church, friends, or neighbors, look for people who are moral, capable and motivated. I know a lot of people that are in that four adjective block, moral, capable and motivated, three adjectives, sorry. But I also know a lot of people that are even direct neighbors of mine that I wouldn't trust with a butter knife. I'm not helping them. That's just the, the, the law of nature. I'm not going to do it. I can give them tips, I can give them pointers, but I'm not giving them any material assistance. I'm not doing it. And if it becomes a problem, I can solve that too. Second one there is finances. And they write, though it's the least feasible, getting a secure financial situation, getting to a secure financial situation may be the biggest step you can take towards overall resilience and should be prioritized once you have even bare bones practical preparations completed. 
they say basically what they're saying is get your eight items above in order or get them squared away and then take a look at your finances and see okay here's what my mortgage is or my rent or my car payment or my my credit card payment or you know uh, my student loans and here's what we're paying for electricity and water and gas sewer storm water you know all of these things if you live in an urban urban setting trash collection I got a bill for that today or not today but over the weekend it's the crazy stuff where you get nickel and dime so you got to understand what are your what are your bills what are you taking every month or, every, or on a quarterly basis what are what are you getting nailed with and then say okay these are the things, given my situation, my scenario, my setting in an urban environment, I cannot get out of paying water, gas, sewer, storm water, uh, electric. I can do without cable, but then I couldn't do the podcast. Uh, can you do? Can you can you downgrade your cell phone packages? How many subscriptions do you have? It used to be when you said that it meant magazines and newspapers. Now it's Streaming services. Do you really need Netflix, Hulu, Prime, the sports package? Do you need ESPN? Do you need um, the Disney Channel? Do you need you know all of these streaming subscriptions? Okay. Do you need all of those? Are you watching all of those? If you're not, get rid of them. Get your finances in order. Is what they're talking about. Family. Work on strengthening family relationships and uniting your family around a shared vision and mission. I've tried this, and I have three brothers, and we live in different regions, or, and all of us live in a different state from one another. Uh, so for me, that's really not overly feasible. And there's only one that I would actually trust, and that's harsh. It's a horrible thing to say. But there's only one that I could actually trust with any kind of calmness and uh, decision-making prowess. And, uh, and, and he's not the one that lives closest to me. And, and he's not the one that lives the furthest. But having said that, all of my wife's family's around me. Well, her, her parents and step-parents. Um, she's got a, an odd aunt and uncle here or there. Uh, some cousins here or there, but I, I tend to I, I tend to be the the one that they just kind of go ah that's Dave you know all right you're on your own I'm not helping you don't show up at my house that's just the way of it and sometimes you have to be that harsh you have to make hard decisions whether it's in your finances in your family uh, or the the community that you're trying to build if if, if if somebody has that preparedness mindset, self-sufficiency mindset, and they're all gung-ho, and they'd be a great person to have in your, in your community, okay, but they like smoking weed. Mm, don't know if I want you on guard duty, man. I don't know if I can trust you to be cognizant enough to make good decisions. You might have to tell people no. You're, I, can't, I can't work with you unless you can kick that habit unless you can get yourself straight without having to deal with um you know not having to deal with but without having to rely on a, a narcotic and just you're gonna have to make tough decisions that i did not address in my book i, I wish i had but i didn't 
but I talk about building a community, building out your family. I mean, we we do stuff with our with with my wife's in my wife's family or my in-laws uh, on a near weekly basis. We are taking care of them. We're we're fixing up uh, rooms and houses and and you know maintaining property and and you know the like, just the the gambit. You know, we're we're the the, the people here to help them do that. So that's a role we've taken on. That's part of building out your community and building up your family base. Uh, and then lastly, they have self. Refuse to settle into a defeatist mentality. Take responsibility for your situation and your future. Once you make the decision that I am going to become more prepared for adversity, whether it's through a border crisis that could lead to a civil war or we've got UN troops showing up because of all of the junk going on in in Europe right now. I, the video montage I had prepared for you guys was exquisite. I, I give you the highlights. I mean, it was, I found videos of pro mass, huge protests in all of the following countries. Spain, Germany, Canada, uh, we've got the Texas border, we've got France, we've got uh, uh, Belgium, Romania. It's crazy town. The things that are being done and per being perpetrated on uh, these farmers in the EU for the sake of climate change is ridiculous. They have exacerbated all of these fees and taxes on the farming industry basically in an effort to get rid of farmers so that you can have lab-grown meat and go hunt crickets in your garden and become vegan in the hopes of of reducing the global population global population plus the global temperature is ridiculous and these farmers have had it and they say that whatever happens in Europe usually occurs in the United States within five to ten years. I think it's already here. The farmers in the United States are already fed up. So you knowing that, okay, you need to figure out what are you going to do for the first thing on their list is food. What are you going to do to prepare for that? There's, other, there's companies out there that you can utilize, like My Patriot Supply, that you can buy, you know, a 72-hour kit. I have a couple of those. I throw them in every one of my bags, every one of my 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 go bags or bug out bags for me, my kids. They all have a 72-hour kit that's going to give everybody three days worth of food for us to figure out where we're going to land. We should be at any one of a number of destinations within three days. That's what I have planned. But what I haven't told them is I'm carrying an extra uh, four in my pack, so I have five in my pack. So that gets us all six days, the better part of a week, to get to our destination. There could be reasons for us being delayed. And frankly, I don't want to be out there popping off a 22, picking off uh, squirrels and rabbits and, and smaller game to feed the family of four because that 22 makes noise. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking multiple steps into a food scenario, whether it's a minor, moderate, or a major disruption, or if I'm on the road. But what they're talking about here is once you make that step and you do 
these eight items and you start thinking about these eight items. I broke it down to even more simple terms in my book, Preparing to Prepare. It's just food, water, and shelter. That's it. Then I start adding in fire. And then I start adding in more complex situations and more long-term planning. So that's what this article, when I got it, I was like, that'll give me an opportunity to talk about some of the things that I have discussed in my book. So that's why I wanted to present it. They give you a nice succinct little list and that's a good place for you to start. All right, folks, uh, that's it for me. We'll, be, we'll see you on the weekend. So be good, stay safe, keep your head on a swivel. I'm out. Happy Hunger Games and May the odds be ever in your favor.